We're podcasting from the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services, USA. I'm Public Affairs Officer Taylor Henry, and I'm talking today with Father Larry Smith, S.J., a civil service priest serving servicemen and women at Joint Base Anacostia Bowling. Welcome, Father. Thank you, Taylor. And, uh... Father, you uh, had a uh, a 15-year career on active duty in the U.S. Navy, correct? Uh, Yes, 12 years active duty and then three years in the reserves after that. And uh, tell us about that. When was your active duty service and uh, what were some of the uh, experiences you had as a a U.S. Navy chaplain? Well, of course, this was back in 1988. I went and joined the Navy as a priest and as a Jesuit and... uh, my first tour in the Navy was at Paris Island, South Carolina, working with recruits. And that was an experience uh, uh, with all that the recruits grow through and, and just getting, seeing what, uh, what the military was all about. Uh, and then, of course, just a couple of years later, uh, <clears throat> Desert Storm came up in 1991. And I don't know why, but I volunteered if they needed a priest to go over. And they said, uh, yes. So in 19... Uh, uh, Ninety-one, I transferred to Camp Lejeune, better known then as Camp Lejeune, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, went with Second uh, Battalion, Fourth Marines. We deployed over to uh, to uh, Saudi Arabia and then into Kuwait, uh, and it was uh, an experience to say the least. Well, uh, tell me about that. Did you roll into Iraq with the Marines? Yes, it was a part of Second Marine Division, and uh, we rolled into uh, into Iraq with them, and. Uh, it was, uh, of course, everyone was, was scared, but uh, uh, not knowing any better. It was, of course, it was also my first time, believe it or not, ever outside the continental United States and uh, uh, pulling in at night at the airfield in the dark with, uh, uh, you know, trying to, trying to look like, you know, I knew what I was doing because all these young Marines scared to death you know, look to the chaplain. And uh, so you put on a good front and uh, uh, try to encourage them to, uh, to, to, to hang on and everything. But it was, uh, we were there for about five months. And, uh, and after the ceasefire, uh, <clears throat> we uh, spent a couple of months in, uh, in Kuwait City. How old were you at this time, roughly? Roughly, I was in uh, probably say, around 48. I see. Or somewhere around in there. So you were, you were older than most of the... The, the men and women you were uh, uh, serving. Oh, yes, yeah. My, uh, my young assistant was a young Marine Lance Corporal. Because when you're over there, since chaplains are, uh, are non-combatants, you know, they, they, they assign a, either a young sailor or a Marine as your, basically as your bodyguard and assistant. And I still remember the young Lance Corporal, and he was full of enthusiasm and... Uh, 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 I remember when just before we shipped out, uh, they sent me down the service records of of three young Marines to pick one, and of course, as sometimes happens, two of them had been punished for one thing or another, and they said send them to the chaplain; he'll he'll straighten them out. <laughs> but the third uh, uh, was actually had volunteered and uh, had gotten rewarded for something he had done, and so he comes and snaps to attention at Camp Lejeune on the front of my desk, and he said. You know, let's go reporting as ordered, sir. Uh, may I ask why you picked me? I can't even type. 
<laughs> so, so I said to him, just to break the ice, I says, look, we're going into combat. Your job is to cover my butt. So I asked them to send me the meanest, ugliest son of a gun uh, they could find, and they sent me you. And he got this shocked look on his face, but it broke the ice, you know, and, uh, and we had a fairly good experience. But you learn a lot, you know, sleeping in a hole in the ground in the desert with a young 19-year-old listening, listening to his dear, the, the letters when he gets his uh, Dear John letters and things like that. And it was a wonderful, it was a good, in hindsight, it was a good experience. Although, of course, when you're going through it, uh, you, you know, it's, uh, you're scared to death. And, uh, you know. So where were you when you rolled into Kuwait, when you crossed the border from, excuse me, Iraq, when you crossed the border from Kuwait into Iraq? Well, we didn't go into Iraq. This was just, you know, this was in, in Desert Storm. So we landed in Saudi Arabia and then crossed the border, as they said, going across the berm into Kuwait through the minefields and all that sort of thing. And uh, no doubt you counseled some of the uh, young Marines who were actually going to cross the border and go into Iraq. Yes, yes. In fact, uh, just before we went across the, uh, as we headed across the berm uh, to, uh, to get into, the, into Kuwait, I offered to hear confessions for anyone who felt before going into combat they needed to go to confession. And I remember this one old-school, hardcore gunnery sergeant came up to me and he said, Well, chaplain, I'm not sure if there is a God or not, but I want to cover all the bases. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, and then we went on from there. And uh, it was wonderful. One, one man... Uh, uh, was in the before 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 we shipped out had been in the process of uh, becoming Catholic and getting his marriage straightened out. So under the circumstances, uh, I baptized him on the spot. He had been through some classes, and uh, uh, and, uh, and and we went on from there. Is it your perception that uh, young men and women going into battle uh, have a come to Jesus moment before they? Many do, you know. Uh, uh, I remember uh, uh, one 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 uh, one moment when again waking up in the middle of the desert. I got out of my hole and <clears throat> sitting off to the left on his duffel bag was a, a staff sergeant, and I won't mention names because I don't know if he's still around, but uh, who was uh, considered himself a born again Christian and was the head of the scout snipers, Marine scout sniper, and he was in his old ghillie suit, you know, his, his uh, camouflage, and he was reading the Bible. And I said, Staff Sergeant, uh, could I ask you a personal question? And he said, sure, Chaplain. I said, how do, you, uh, how do you reconcile what you do for a living with being a born-again Christian? And he said, well, he said, Chaplain, I've prayed about that and thought about that a lot. And I've come to the realization and when I have that enemy soldier in my sights, in my sniper scope, uh, he's a child of God just like I am, but I'm just sending him back to God sooner than he would normally go. And, at, at, and I just throw up my hands and I say, well, Staff Sergeant, thank you. I've just thought I'd ask, you know, if that, but, but in reality, you know, if that's where he was at and that got him through spiritually, you know, you could, you could talk to him later on afterwards about, you know, the real things, but, you know, Sometimes you, you, you help people to deal with where they're at, and you accept them where they're at spiritually, and hopefully later on to, uh, to, uh, to help them to grow in that. But, uh, yeah. And we've heard a lot about the chaplain shortage in recent years. Uh, I suppose 
fact, I don't suppose I know for sure it wasn't as bad then as it is now, but even then it was bad. Yeah, and we had shortages even then. I can remember one, uh, uh, I forget when it was exactly, but we were driving through the desert, driving to various positions where they were just to, to, to bring, uh, not necessarily have the full mass, but to bring communion and to see how they were doing. And I remember in uh, uh, one day doing six or seven communion services out there in the field in the middle of the desert. Uh, and uh, I can remember one instance where there was young one young man who I didn't realize it until much later. And later on after the, after the uh, desert storm when we were in the Mediterranean uh, on a ship, and I was standing on the uh, on the uh, on the uh, just above one of the uh, well decks, and this young marine was down there, hollered up to me, "Hey, chaplain, <clears throat> I remember you. You're my good luck charm." And I says, well, "What do you mean?" He says, "When I was in boot camp, uh, you were you were the priest there, and you gave me a pair of rosary beads, even though I wasn't Catholic. And those rosary beads I wore around my neck, and I got through." I got through war with those. And he says, and then when we're in the middle of the desert, desert storm, uh, I was sitting in my foxhole. And who comes riding up in a Humvee? But it was you, you know? And you, you, you know, said a prayer for me and all that sort of thing. And then, uh, and now later on, we're here on this ship heading out into the Mediterranean. He says, I know now I've got it made. You know? <laughs> and again, the, the, the various, you know, again, that's where he was at. Uh, uh, and you know, sometimes as a priest, you're as it were one minute your father Larry, you know, the friend, you know, person that goes to home to dinner with you and all that, and visit the family, and the next minute, uh, you're the priest, you know, uh, where you're saying mass and hearing confessions and the sacraments in 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 the chapel or in and whatever, and then, then the very next minute, you're the shaman, you know, people coming just to get things blessed, or, which is a wonderful devotion, but still, you know the various roles that you have as a priest, and you have to get used to that. And sometimes that's, that's difficult for some, some priests, you know, that's, uh, but it's, it's something that's necessary, you know. And the military can be a small world. It is. It is a very, I, I used to joke, because, I, again, I spent many years uh, before that on, in various Native American communities. And when I joined the Navy, uh, people said, well, isn't that a big difference? I said, no, it's just going from one tribe to another. You know, and and you look at it that way because when I was with the with the native with the native peoples in various reservations, we talk about enculturation. You know, getting to appreciate the culture of the people you're serving, not necessarily that uh, it's your culture, but you appreciate how they see their culture. And the military isn't is the same thing; it's another culture, and you may not necessarily agree with everything about that culture, but it's their culture. And you, you had many other experiences as an active duty chaplain. You were aboard one of the ships, one of the first U.S. Navy warships to enter the Black Sea. Yes, in ni- 1992, uh, we went on the amphibious ship, the USS Whidbey Island. And uh, this was just after the wall had fallen, the, the Berlin Wall, just a couple of years after, before, uh, had done that, uh, had fallen just before that. And we got into the Black Sea pulled into uh, Samsung, Turkey, Borgas in Bulgaria, and Constanza in Romania. And there were thousands of peoples in each port. They came to visit the ships, you know, and the, and the sailors and the Marines gave tours. And it was like Disney World. 
They were lined up out on the dock. And uh, one elderly man came aboard the ship. And I remember he said, the Russians never let us visit their ships. You know? <laughs> uh, but it was, it, was a, it was a wonderful experience, getting, again, getting to know people. And uh, in uh, Constanza in Romania, uh, the ship's dentist and doctor, excuse me, and myself, uh, went on a courtesy call to the Orthodox Archbishop in Constanza in Romania. And since it was considered sort of a diplomatic uh, mission, as it were, we wore our dress blue uniforms and we were walking up to the residence of the Orthodox Archbishop. And as we were walking along the sidewalk, this man, maybe in his early 30s or whatever, came up to us and he says, you Americans? And we said, yes, we are. And he started almost poetically to say, Ah, America, uh, I would love to go to America, but I am a fisherman, and my boat is too small. I cannot go, but thank you for coming. <laughs> you know, the, the America is the city on the hill, you know, and uh, it was a wonderful experience. And I remember going we up and visited the, the archbishop, and then from there we went to the local Roman Catholic church. And again, they didn't speak English either, uh, but I asked the... Uh, the cat, the priest. If if he ever, you know, I don't know where it came to my mind, but I did. You ever feel that the uh, uh, that the uh, confessionals were bugged? And he says, "Well, we're not quite sure, but we always heard confessions during mass when they were singing loudly, <laughs> so couldn't hear us." And uh, but he said, and then the, one day, this very young, attractive young lady came to the front door and uh, said, "Oh." Good morning, Reverend. She says, I'm from the secret police, and I wonder if, if I could have permission to come in and put microphones around your church. And he said, uh, over my dead body. And he said she never came back. But, uh, but there was some wonderful experiences like that. And then Bulgaria, uh, we were at, a, at one of these compulsory cocktail parties, and in walks a, a, a Catholic priest and an Orthodox priest. And uh, the Catholic priest, I went over to introduce myself, and he says, ah, priest. He says, I am alone here. He was the only Roman Catholic priest from the coast, between the coast of Bulgaria and Turkey, I think it was. Uh, but he covered both the Eastern Church and the Roman Church. And he invited me to his church to say Mass. And so I went, and he translated for me from even the homily, as the people were there, and... Uh, it was one of the things, but he, he's talked about being for nine years in a communist prison just for being a priest. And he said in those days, just talking to a foreigner was considered treason. And uh, so I gave him a, a, a tour of the ship, you know. And he looked down over the well deck, and down in the well deck we had these artillery pieces and everything for the Marines. And he says, ah, war, isn't war a terrible thing? And I said, yes, it is. You know, and uh, but uh, it was it was a wonderful experience. You know, the the meeting all these new people, and it goes on the lighter side. When we were in in uh, Romania, uh, we they gave us a flight up to up to uh, Transylvania, and uh, I tell all the little kids that I've actually been in Dracula's castle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Is there a Dracula's castle in Transylvania? Yes, yeah, now it's just a tourist attraction, basically. Uh, Dracul's uh, old castle, and the little old ladies out front selling homemade sweaters. <laughs> you know, uh, 
So it was all these wonderful experiences. No kidding. Well, uh, how have these experiences uh, shaped and deepened your faith? Well, I think it's 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 made me much more open to uh, you know to again to where people are at, and to not come into a situation with my own personal agenda. You know, we can sometimes do that. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, when I again when I was with the the native people reservations, and I was at a powwow one time. I think we were out in uh, Wyoming somewhere, and one of the the sisters was a friend of mine. She was an Navajo herself, and she was a Franciscan. And she says, "You know, Larry." She says, "You know why we like you?" I said, "Why?" She says, "Because we don't have to explain ourselves to you." <laughs> you know, it was important. I respected their culture. I didn't have to understand it. They well, didn't have to explain themselves. And to I'll, me. I'll share this with you. In my, from my experience overseas, one of the most enlightening things I found was. Looking back at this country from the outside, looking in, yeah, you get a different, a wholly different perspective. Oh, sure, uh-huh. and uh, so that broadens your uh, your your understanding of right. people. Right, right, yeah. yeah. Um, so, anyhow, uh, how was it that you um, uh, left the active res- uh, active duty uh, service? Uh, did you were, were were you forced to retire? Did you get too old to serve? Uh, well, I left active duty and switched to the reserves because for some reason they didn't want to promote me. <laughs> be honest and then switched to the reserves immediately got promoted uh-huh. uh, but then when I turned uh, and switched to the Navy Reserve uh, and this was back in uh, around 2000 and uh, time came when I turned 60 and I got the letter in the mail thank you for your service uh, mandatory discharge age 60 please turn in your ID card at the nearest whatever and you're a, a walking case example, a walking case of why we have the chaplain shortage we do is because so many chaplains like yourself have reached mandatory retirement. And uh, up, up until the last few years anyway, there haven't been enough newcomers coming along at that same pace. Right. So more are retiring than are coming in. Right. Uh, that's uh, starting to change because uh, right now we have uh, 45 uh, in the co-sponsored seminarian program. Uh, that's the the highest uh, it's been in in many years if it's if it's ever been that high. Right. Uh, uh, but the in the meantime, uh, the archdiocese is having to uh, rely on contract priests and, like yourself, civil service priests. Can you explain? How that works? How, how is it that now that you're retired, you can still serve the military as a civilian? Well, it actually, I've, of course, I'm never, not retired. Uh, I was just discharged, because, you know, when, with the age thing. But uh, but then I was a Jesuit superior up in Maine, and the Air Force uh, had, was the first branch that started the whole civil service thing. And I got word that down, down at uh, Anscombe Air Force Base in Massachusetts. Um, <clears throat> They were looking for for a GS priest, you know, civil service. And GS stands for uh, general service. General, I think so. I'm not like exactly that. sure. Yeah. And uh, so the Air Force, and so I applied for that and got in. And it's the GS is a lot s- simpler in one many same way than contracts. And also, you're a civilian, you're a civil service employee, so you have all the benefits of civil service. And also, I said, well, this counts towards retirement. As you're a civil service employee, whereas a contract is much, I find it much more complicated. I see. Uh, 
Do you put in as many hours as you did when you were on active duty or in the reserve? Pretty much. Well, you, you, you do a 40-hour week, I mean, as far as the, the government's concerned. And uh, uh, and uh, so you put the time card in and everything just every two weeks, just uh, just like any civil service employee. And, uh, and you have your regular hours, you know, and all that sort of thing. So I, I, uh, I'm in the, in the building six days a week. Uh, you know, as, as many do, many priests do. I think Monday is my full day off. The one day I don't go in at all. And then Friday, then Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I'm in the office, you know, regular eight hour days. And you're doing all the things that a parish priest would do, I suppose, hearing confessions, saying Right, yes. right. And you're, but you're also doing that wonderful, uh, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, uh, communication with, uh, with, with other faiths. On a day-to-day basis, you know, with the with the with the, the uniform chaplains, you know, we're all in the same building, and we have some nice conversations about interfaith dialogue, you know, to call it. Uh, and even when I was at Hanscom, one of my favorite times, the the the, uh, the office right next to mine had been converted into a prayer room for the uh, for the uh, uh, Muslim employees who worked on the base, the contractors, and they would come in just to do their daily prayers every day. And it's a wonderful conversation out in the hallway. You know, one said, oh, Father, we need to have a good conversation sometime because we believe in, in the prophet Jesus and, and his mother Miriam just like, just like you do. I says, I know. You know, and had some wonderful uh, uh, discussions, you know. And, and then when the rabbi was in to visit and we had a Seder service, you know. And just that diversity that you have in the military that you don't have anywhere else. Like here in, at JBAB, we have a diverse congregation, you know, internationally diverse, not only age-wise and, 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 and racially and culturally and, and language even. I met some very interesting people who come to visit their, their relatives, you know, people from Africa and Asia, and, and it's, it's, it's a wonderful experience, you know, and that flexibility and that diversity that you experience. Well, thank God for GS priests like yourself because we're depending on you and contract priest to help us pick up the slack right now while we try to find other active duty priests. Father Larry Smith, S.J., uh, the uh, civilian priest serving uh, Joint Base Anacostia Bowling, uh, thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you very much.